This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. At a time when everyone is locked in their houses, unable to physically engage with their fellow human beings, it's important to look back at those times when we actually were able to and some strange, life-altering stuff went down. That's what this podcast is all about. Please remember to rate and review this podcast wherever you may be listening, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, or just listening through your neighbor's window while they listen. It helps other people find it and generally makes me happy. One person who definitely had a unique experience recently is Utah State Trooper Rick Morgan. See, Morgan pulled over a car after he saw it swerving all over the road. Nothing too unusual there. Morgan assumed the driver must be impaired in some way, which I suppose he was from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? The driver was impaired and slightly underage. Turns out the driver was five years old. Apparently, the boy was being watched by his 16-year-old sibling when the teen took a nap. When the sibling woke up, the keys were gone, the car was gone, and the child was gone. You know, that has to be pretty terrifying. So, imagine you just woke up from a nap, you're still half asleep, and suddenly the car and the kid is gone. The boy told the trooper he was planning to drive to California to buy himself a Lamborghini. He only had $3 in his wallet, so maybe he wanted a Hot Wheels Lamborghini. Would that even buy a Hot Wheels car? Parents were called to collect the boy and the car. Authorities are still trying to decide if they want to press some sort of charges. I wouldn't imagine they will. Carol Roth is joining me to talk about her own joyride of sorts. Carol is the creator of Future File, futurefile.com. You've seen Carol on TV, heard her on the radio, and on her own podcast, The Roth Effect. And she was kind enough to take a few minutes to share a story with me today. Thanks so much for joining me, Carol. I am pleased to be here, Keith. Now, my first job, I basically just worked in a grocery store and chopped up uh, fruits and vegetables, which is interesting because most people would be terrified to know that I was like holding large knives. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's not that unique. Like a lot of people's first jobs in a, in a grocery store. But uh, so, so you wanted to share the story of, of your first job because it's a little bit more unique. Yeah, well, to, just to be fair and clear, it's not actually my first job. I mean, I did the working in the day camp kitchen for the summer when I was oh, twelve nice. and babysitting and you know, all, you know, all kinds of minimum wage things. But this is my like my first real job out of college. And to give context to the story, I think it's helpful to understand where I came from. So I came from a family um, uh, in suburban Chicago where I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. And so, nice. you know, coming from a blue collar family, we didn't really have the money to afford a fancy education, but I did get into Wharton, uh, the best undergraduate business program in the country at the time. Um, I think still still pretty much is at University of Pennsylvania. And my dad's like, how are you going to afford this Ivy League education? And I kept explaining to him, well, based on my research, people make a lot of money coming out of there. So I should be able to pay off my debt. So he was down with that. He was like, okay, as long as you can pay down the debt quickly, you can go there. So I stumble into the University of Pennsylvania 
and you know take on forty thousand dollars in college debt over the years, and this is back you know in the early to mid nineties. So you know, the, just for inflation, um, there's, there's been a little bit of inflation. Yeah, between. yeah. So you know, but it, but definitely, I mean, right now forty thousand is sort of the average that people have coming out of school. Um, so yeah. I, I I had hit that more than twenty years ago. And as I was approaching, um, you know, coming coming up and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, um, it was sort of presented to me that there were a couple of options, and one of them was investment banking. And the one of the things that you learn when you do investment banking interviews is that if you get past the first round and sometimes the second round, they have you out for what's called a super day where you get to go to the corporate headquarters and you get to meet a whole bunch of people and have like, you know, eight interviews in one day to decide if you <laughs> want to go work there. You know, that that's funny because when I uh, got the, my first job back here in Chicago in radio, um, basically kind of unintentionally had the same thing <laughs> where I had to, because of the fact that they were bringing me in from out of town, they had me meet with basically like everybody yeah. who worked there and, and do an interview. And by the end, I was just like dead. I'm like, I, I, I don't want to talk to anybody for a week. Yeah. The whole process is not uh, for, you know, of the faint of heart. And I, and I interviewed in other realms too, and in consulting and whatnot, but me being me, so, you know, I'm come from this blue collar family. I come from a family where we never went on vacations because we couldn't afford. I mean, the, the best we ever got was that maybe one or two years where we went up to Wisconsin, you know, to, with a, another family to a place that had like a hill that we could sled on or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, my parents were struggling to afford the house that they were, they had us in and all that kind of stuff. So we never went on vacation. So I hadn't been anywhere. And so me being the schemer that I am decided that, you know, there are these places like in places like California, like there's an investment bank in San Francisco. I've never been to San Francisco. I would love to go to San Francisco. What if I try to get an interview with one of these places? They'll fly me out for free to go on a trip to San Francisco. This is a brilliant idea. So I'm dropping my resume for, you know, all the places I might want to work, the names that you hear, the Goldman Sachs, the Morgan Stanleys and whatnot. And then I start like the Montgomery Securities and the Alex Brown and all of these boutique banks that were just up and coming at the time in San Francisco in hopes that, you know, I could kind of rig their process <laughs> in terms of the mm -hmm. interview. And Montgomery Securities decides that they want to interview me. And I'm like, sweet. Okay, this is great. I'll totally like kill this process. Lo and behold, the day of their interview, I have a conflict. And what does Miss Ivy League educated person interviewing for an investment bank have a conflict with? Well, it happens to be the day that I am competing in the Miss Illinois pageant. <laughs> <laughs> of course, why wouldn't it be? Obviously. Um, and I got totally roped into that because for anybody who knows me, and Keith, I'm sure you'll appreciate this, um, I'm the kind of person, if somebody's like, hey, why don't you try that? I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> why not? <laughs> never done it before, so I don't know that I don't want right, it. Right, yeah. So I was, I was working the summer before, 
at my health club in the suburb of Chicago. And the woman who owned the health club was a former beauty queen. And she decided that I would be great uh, in the pageant arena, which to know me is hilarious. I would not be great in the pageant arena, but it was like, okay, whatever. I'll just like apply and see if I can get in. And you have to do like the glamour shots and the bathing suit shots and whatever. And um, lo and behold, I didn't even know there are two different tracks of beauty pageants. There's the ones with the talent, which is the Miss America. And there's the one without the talent, which is the Miss USA, which is the one that used to be owned by the Trump organization, by the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had unbeknownst to me, applied to the uh, Miss USA track. So I didn't even need to have a talent or anything. I mean, this is like totally low budget. I probably would have been better off in the Miss America track, which is more of a scholarship pageant. But anyway. So you're working on your juggling and it turned out you didn't need to. No, did not need to know how to juggle the knives. So that, you know, I figured I just put that aside in case it came up in any of my investment banking interviews. And uh, so lo and behold, you know, I get accepted and I go through this whole thing. I go through this training and I, you know, learn how to be in a pageant. So, (laughs) so I, I get this interview and there's a conflict with my beauty pageant and I'm like, I'm not going to jeopardize this free trip to San Francisco. So let's see what can happen. And by the way, I haven't even gotten past the first round of interviews yet, but it doesn't matter. I'm feeling very confident about this. You're just assuming you're going to get that. I'm just like, well, I I feel like I can do this. Um, So I call up the guy and I'm like, you know, hi, you know, I'm so excited. I'm really interested in Montgomery Securities. It sounds so interesting. I have a little bit of a problem. Um, I'm competing (laughs) in the Miss Illinois pageant the same day as the investment banking interview. And I was wondering if there's anything else we can do. And he's like, can I swear on this podcast? Sure. You got to fucking be kidding me. Like, seriously, you're telling me that you're going to be in a beauty pageant and you're missing your investment banking interview. And I'm like, yes, sir, I actually am. But I'm really, you know, flexible and entrepreneurial. And I could go up to New York and meet one of your bankers up there for an interview or, you know, whatever. And he's like, oh my God, seriously. Okay, fine. Tell you what, what to do. Call me back in like three days. Let me let me sit on it and see if there's anything else we can do. So I, I call him back in like three days, and he's like, uh, I, I don't know. And and we just did this dance back and forth where he he just kept putting me off like two days at a time, three days at a time, and whatnot. And I must have called him seventeen times. And on the seventeenth mm-hmm. time, he's like. You are the most persistent motherfucker I have ever met in my entire life. Fine. I am going to let you go up to New York and meet one of our bankers up there for an interview. And then, of course, because, you know, me just being me and having all the nerve, I was like, well, do you think there's any way you guys could reimburse me for the train ticket up there? Because I'm a student and I have no money. And they agreed to reimburse me for the train ticket. So... So, so now I've got a free trip to New York City out of this. Okay, first step. And, you know, it seems like, at, especially when you got to this point and they were like, yeah, we'll meet you in New York, you, you should have started seeing what else you could get. Right. You yeah. Know, I mean, like, hey, worst they could say is no, do, right? Yeah, could, could we do a, an interview in uh, Yellowstone National Park? I always wanted to go there. <laughs> so, you know, so I take the train again. And, and the nice thing, because I you know, have school in Philly. And there was the the Amtrak train, which is the fast train that would get you to the New York in an hour and a half. And then there was like the Securitas New Jersey transit train, which was like 
a fraction of the price and got you there in two and a half hours. So anytime I ever went to New York, because of course, you know, I had to find a way to pay for it. Um, I was always taking the New Jersey transit and having to change a bunch Mm -hmm. of times. And this time I got to go on Amtrak. So I'm really a big deal at this point in time. And I go up and, you know, my intention is to just kill it and, you know, see if I can get past these rounds so I can get out to San Francisco. And I meet this incredible woman at the Pierre Hotel. You know, it's like super glamorous and she's got this suite and we sit down, we talk about the firm and I do my my song and, and dance, not the one from the pageant, the one from Wharton. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, well, that's how you actually did have to have a talent. Yeah, exactly. I had to, I, I, well, it's funny because um, you know, there's something that you when you're an investment banker called modeling, which is, you know, in Excel, you know, you build a financial model. And then there's also modeling like as in the pageant. So there was a lot of confusion between like, can you build a financial model or can you walk down a runway? (laughs) So I I don't know, the whole thing just got like blended up in my head. Um, So I meet this woman, I kill the interview and she loves me, thinks I'm great and a great fit and go back. And this guy, his name is Mark Saltzgaber. He's very impressed and he said, fine. And then we had a phone interview and he's like, okay, we're going to bring you out to San Francisco. And I'm like, yes, okay. I finally got my free trip. So they bring, they, they, that's what they do. They bring me out to San Francisco. And, you know, I'm the kind of person that's like, I'm not going to dial it in. Like if he's paying for it, I'm going to, I'm going to give my best effort. I'm going to go through, I'm not going to be a jerk about it. And, you know, I'm, I, I always keep my mind open, but you know, I gold, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan, like whatever. Um, so I get to San Francisco. And then the fu- funniest thing is I hate San Francisco. I think it is, it's just not me. I know there are a lot of people who love San Francisco, but I'm like, this is not nice. Like this is not like, I know everyone thinks it's charming. I don't like charming. Like, this is not my thing. I'm a city girl. I'm from Chicago. I went to school in Philly. I spent time in New York. Like, ugh, like okay, but whatever. I've been here. Yay. Um, and so then I have my day of interviews, and I go through, and I'm meeting all of these amazing people and people who were, you know, former Olympic athletes and just, like, really cool people, and they're working on all this cool stuff, and they're a meritocracy. And as I'm moving further and further into the day, I'm like, oh my God, I really like this place. (laughs) And by the time I was done, they made me an offer to work at Montgomery Securities. And as I weighed all of my choices, I'm like, even though I hate San Francisco, I actually want to go work at this place and ended up making that the home of my career where, you know, I got cut my teeth. I met my husband and it sort of set me on this path of success. But the only reason that I even like had the opportunity to end up there is because I was trying to scam a free trip and then like jump through all these hoops of like pageants and whatever to get my free trip. Uh, but having the open mind allowed me to capitalize upon that. So yeah, just never know. And that's my story of how I landed at Montgomery Securities. So important life lessons there. Uh, if you can't afford a vacation, just try to get a job interview. <laughs> Only and, if they'll uh, pay to fly you out. Yeah. So that that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good yeah. life so, lesson. Um, but that's a, a positive. And I guess just be open to... Uh, 
to any experiences that come along. Yeah, I, mean, I think there are a bunch of, I think, first of all, persistence, you know, that there are a bunch of people who, right. when somebody told them no the first time, well, first of all, there are a bunch of people who would never ask the question because it's so ridiculous, but I have no shame. So that, you know, we that went down. But then, you know, the persistence is that a lot of life is just being the person who's going to knock on the door 17 times. And finally, the guy's like, okay, whatever. Um, and like you said, keeping an open mind, because even though that wasn't your intention or your strategy, it may actually be the best thing for you. Um, so lots of good lessons. Also, uh, if you're going to be in a pageant and you're more of a smart person, then Miss America is more for you than Miss USA. So that's another. So this this one was chock full of life lessons. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story, Carol. My pleasure. As I mentioned, my very first job at all was uh, chopping up fruits and vegetables at a grocery store. My first post-college job was producing a morning radio show in Milwaukee. So neither of those had particularly interesting stories behind them. So I'm glad to be able to live vicariously through Carol. I'd also like to live vicariously through you. If you think you can top this or any of the other stories featured on this year podcast, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com. Gabatron 